You are listening to a sermon from Emmaus Church LCMS. For more information, please go to www.emmauspasco.org. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Are you here to celebrate Christmas? Well, it's a better response than at Messiah. A little bit more enthusiastic. Now, now I ask, because there, there are indeed two Christmases being celebrated at this very moment. They happen at the same time. They have the same name. They employ the same kinds of lights and gifts and singing. But they are two different Christmases. One, for lack of better terms, call a Christian Christmas. And the other, we would just call a cultural Christmas. Now, now in distinguishing these, I'm not trying to disparage either. And I'm not about to say that one is evil and the other is good. Or that there was once some good old day when we only celebrated Christian Christmas. No, no, no. These two holidays have been intertwined as long as either of them have been celebrated. And it's pretty hard to even tell them apart. And my family enthusiastically celebrates both of them. But the thing that's true about it that we can't leave behind tonight is that it is possible to celebrate one without celebrating the other. And so tonight, I want to help distinguish these for you so you can ask, so that I can ask you, are you here to celebrate the holiday that Christians call Christ's Mass? For that is indeed the name of the holiday as that Christians celebrate, Christ's Mass, the festival of the nativity. Sometimes parents tell, tell our kids that it's Jesus' birthday, but this is not quite right. It's not about Jesus getting one year older and making one more trip around the sun. It's, it's, it's more about the event of the day. Not so much about the date. No one really knows what day Jesus was born on, but about the truly radical thing that happened, that God became flesh in the person of Jesus. Something that has never happened before and has never happened since. The incarnation, when God became man, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, uniting himself to our human nature completely. So that the God of all creation, who exists outside time and eternally, came into the story and wrote himself into the human history. Being born of the virgin mother, Mary. So Christian Christmas is, at its core, it's a bit of good news about something God has done. It's what the angels said to the shepherds. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This good news about a Savior Lord, a Savior King, it's news so great that Christians think you should keep celebrating it every year. Now, cultural Christmas, in America at least, it doesn't necessarily deny any of that. In fact, it may very well include Jesus and Mary, and may even include going to church. In fact, Kevin McAllister from Home Alone made it to church, even when he was alone. But it may not. You could leave behind all of the churchy stuff and still celebrate a wonderful American cultural Christmas. You can have, without reference to Jesus, a holly jolly Christmas with Frank Sinatra and all the Who's in Whoville. For cultural Christmas isn't a celebration of a certain event. It's a celebration of a certain set of ideas. We celebrate the ideas like generosity and kindness and sympathy and family and happiness and gratitude. So the central story behind cultural Christmas is not the nativity as much as it is Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, right? Grumpy, greedy old Scrooge exploits the poor. He's indifferent to their suffering and he has some ghostly visions and he sees the consequences of his greedy way 
and he learns the lesson. And he shows that he learns the lesson of generosity and kindness and sympathy and joy by doing the consummate act of Christmas, giving gifts. Right? He showers Bob Cratchit and many others with wonderful gifts of food and drink and presents. And this act of giving gifts, it is the sacrament of cultural Christmas. It's the thing that is indispensable, the center around which everything else turns. That, that time on Christmas, tomorrow morning, when you will gather with your family, with your children, with your grandchildren, to give and receive because Santa has come and has incarnate the spirit of the season of generosity with kindness for all. Now, most of us were raised with this experience or something like it. And that experience right there, the giving of gifts, it's the primal source of the wonder of the Christmas, of our cultural Christmas season, giving gifts. Now, the lights, the trees, the cookies, the songs, the time with family, it's all great, but it's really all build up to that one wondrous moment when you come down the stairs and out of nowhere, it seems, there's a whole host of presents for you. Now, some people will say, well, wait, the Grinch, he stole Christmas, and the Who's still celebrated a very happy Christmas without packages or boxes or bags. And I submit to you that you try that tomorrow morning and see how it goes. <laughs> the, the giving of gifts is really the source of wonder at Christmas, in cultural Christmas. But there's another part of this, which is that as you grow up, that wonder begins to fade, doesn't it? Maybe you remember, I remember, the first time Christmas just didn't feel like Christmas. That loss of wonder is itself a staple part of our cultural Christmas. There are a bunch of songs about it. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas just like the ones I used to know. So cultural Christmas has this whole thread of nostalgia running through it. That Mariah Carey asks, where are you, Christmas? Why can't I find you? Why have you gone away? So the seeking and reclaiming of this lost wonder, it too is part of our cultural Christmas, which has the answer built in. If you want to rediscover the joy and wonder of Christmas, you do what Scrooge did. You discover the joy of giving. Show a little generosity. Show sympathy to those in need. Give gifts to children and gather with family, and you will rediscover the wonder of Christmas. So Mariah Carey answers her own question in the song, right? She says, where are you, Christmas? And then she says, Christmas is here. If you care, if, it, if there is love in your heart and in your mind, you will feel like Christmas all the time. Christmas is here inside us when we fill our hearts with love. And that right there, that's the central core message of cultural Christmas. You will feel wonder and joy and love by showing generosity to others, just like Scrooge. Now, and, and if baby Jesus makes his way into cultural Christmas at all, then he's kind of the, the best example. He's the ultimate gift, and you should give gifts just like Jesus. So what's important to recognize is that the core message of cultural Christmas is not so much a bunch of good news, it's a bit of good advice. You can experience joy by giving and showing generosity. And I'm not trying to criticize any of this, right? Giving gifts and showing generosity are great things and we should all do it. But it's important for us to recognize the, the key difference tonight between good news and good advice. Both Christmases want to fill us with wonder and joy, but cultural Christmas tells us you do it by showing generosity and giving to others. Christian Christmas tells us some good news about something God has done. And this tremendous difference, well, it makes all the difference in the world. Because advice tells you how to achieve something. It tells you something is possible and it's available to you if you do the right things, right? If you make the right choices. 
But the good news of Christmas that people really don't want to hear and don't want to, and want to forget is that it's actually not about something you can do. It's about something you couldn't do, so God came and did it for you. That's a little hard to hear. I want you to imagine tomorrow morning, you're opening your gift from your spouse, and it is a prepaid card for liposuction. <laughs> or your kids, you open your gift from your kids, and you're excited to see what they, they pulled together their money for a gift for you this year, and it's six sessions of anger management therapy. <laughs> I mean, such gifts are really hard to receive, right? Because what they imply, or what they state and what they shout is, you've got problems, and you clearly aren't going to be able to fix them yourself. So here's some help. And to receive these gifts is to admit that, yeah, you do kind of need that help. And that hurts to admit. And that's why the angel's message hurts a little bit. For unto you is born a savior, the Messiah, a king. Wait, wait, a savior born for me? Who says I need a savior? Why do I need a savior? Who does he think he is? A king? I thought we got rid of those. We don't need one of those. See, being given a savior king implies that there's something wrong with you. And that there's something wrong with your world, your society. Something so wrong that you're not going to be able to fix it, no matter how hard you try, no matter how nice you are, no matter how generous you are. See, the dark implication of Christian Christmas is that this world actually is too dark for us to fix. Both Christmases seek to shine the light into the darkness, but cultural Christmas tells you you can do it by showing a little more love, a little more kindness, a little more generosity. But Christian Christmas says, nope, that selfishness, that greed, that bitterness, the resentment, they are too deeply entrenched in your heart and in your identity to be exorcised by an annual ritual of gift giving. For, I mean, with apologies to Mariah Carey, let's just be honest. Our hearts are not filled with love all the time, are they? And anyone who thinks that they are is a narcissist. We all know that given enough difficulties, enough time, Challenging enough circumstances, we will all revert to, and we all do revert to, December 26th, self-love. The thing that we really do love ourselves more than others. Looking out for me and my own. It's that self-love that puts us before others, that takes rather than gives, or gives in for the purpose of indebting others to ourselves. It's that selfish darkness that's in our hearts that is behind all the unkind words that we say to our loved ones when we don't really want to. It's behind the impatience we show our children when we yell at them. It's behind the discontentment when we see someone we love have something that we, we think we deserve. That self-love is in here, and we've written it into our culture and our society. It's all over the place. So no matter how wonderful we put love in our hearts, no matter how if we make love last all year in our hearts, that doesn't change the fact that there are still people in the world who starve while others gorge themselves. That we still live in a world where infants get murdered by, by tyrannical kings. Where lies are greeted with applause and truth is shouted down with threats. We still live in a world where might makes right. And so the only light, Christmas, Christian Christmas says, the only light that can truly brighten the darkness of human history is the one that comes from outside us. From God. The one who isn't complicit in the darkness that we've brought into the world. So this means that celebrating Christian Christmas involves two things. First, it means acknowledging that you actually do need a savior king, that you cannot do this yourself. We actually need a savior king to reign over us. 
It means acknowledging that the darkness in the world and in our hearts isn't someone else's fault. It's your fault. It means admitting that you need to be savior to be born for you because you cannot fix yourself. The second thing, though, it means believing that the babe in the manger actually is your savior king. That the God in the manger actually came to reign over you in love. And this means that believing in his birth and in his life and in his death and in his resurrection, God was acting decisively to save you, to fix what is wrong with this world, with your heart, to shine forever into the darkness of this world in a way that the darkness can never overcome. And so what this means, very practically, is that you open your Bible and you read the story of Jesus being born from Luke 2, and you say this, this child is mine. He is my savior, my king. He is my identity. His birth is my birth, my second birth. His obedient life of love, that's my obedient life of love, given to me as a gift. His baptism in which God declared him his beloved son, that was my baptism in which God declared me God's beloved child. When he forgave his enemies, that was me forgiving my enemies. When he died on the cross, that was my death. That was me paying the debt that I owed God for the darkness I brought into the world, but I didn't have to do it. And his resurrection, that's my future. That's what tomorrow holds for me. And his reign as king over heaven and earth, that's my inheritance. This child is my king, my savior, and my Messiah. And he was born for me. Not just for shepherds long ago, but for me. And that, dear brothers and sisters, is how we celebrate Christian Christmas. We say in our hearts and in our minds and in our mouths that this child, this savior, and this king was born for me. Amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. This has been a message from Emmaus Church LCMS. We thank you for listening and invite you to find out more by visiting our website at www.emmauspasco.org. That's www.emmauspasco.org.